0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome everyone, and thank you so much for being with us. And I always like to applaud all of you that are either listening at the time we're doing this show or... At another time, as a download, and and just you know, really give a shout out to that level of Namaste that says the God within me meets and recognizes the God within you. And I love that statement. Mark Nepo says that though what we reach for may be different, what makes us reach is the same. And when we are intentional spirits, we are we are always taking steps forward to the betterment of our lives, um, to the betterment of a meaningful life. So, how apropos that today we have the author, his book is written now in many languages, it has sold so many copies, and the title is Toward a Meaningful Life, we have with us today Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Welcome, Rabbi Simon, I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, it's a pleasure to be here with you.
0: Oh, absolutely. I've really been looking forward to our to our conversation. And where do you reside? Where do you live?
1: Well, my soul lives uh, everywhere. It transcends time and space. But my body uh, presently is in Brooklyn, New York. You've heard of this, oh, this little yes. town.
0: Oh, yes. Brooklyn, New York, where they have the famous Brooklyn bread. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I love that, that you said your soul lives everywhere. Isn't that isn't that the truth? Well, tell us about your path. You know, I, I think people learn so much from storytelling. And did you always know your path, how you wanted it to be? or
1: No, I did not. Um, I grew up in a very Orthodox and Hasidic Jewish home. My parents, both Russian-born, came over to the United States after World War II. So I grew up in a very uh, intense Jewish education, but a lot of it was uh, somewhat didactic and dogmatic. They tell you what the rules are. I didn't always feel the soul. I mean, I loved the people around me. I had great influences, parents, educators. I was never abused by the system, (laughs) I think. Now, full disclosure, so I wasn't hurt. But I didn't, uh, till my teenage years, and I'm like a skeptic, an explorer, I didn't hear the music, let's put it that way. It's when I began to appreciate the spirituality of it, the deeper spiritual forces that are unleashed through our actions and through our good deeds and, and the virtue. And that's when it resonated with me, and I can say that's when I found my path where I really said, you know what, this is for me, I'm ready, uh, I want to be part of this revolution to bring some spiritual light to the world and uh, be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. You know, mm. Long story short, but I went through, as all of us do, through my your, your teenage years, the ups and downs, the questioning. Again, I was surrounded by very fine people, which was a big help to me. My parents, my father was a journalist, so though he grew up in a very orthodox home, but it was also very open-minded you know, ideas, skepticism. There was no fear of, uh, of challenging uh, thoughts. It wasn't like mind control, which unfortunately many people do experience in very religious environments. So this all served me well and allowed my spirit to, uh, to soar, if you wish, and uh, to spread my wings. And as I uh, 17, 18, 19 years old, I really immersed myself in the spiritual teachings. And uh, ever since, I've never looked back it's literally like music. I'm not exaggerating Temple. It's Really. You know when once the you hear the music, you can't ignore its uh, resonating uh, effect on you. It's sensing deeper truths and higher truths. So ever since I've been uh, I see I see myself as somewhat of a bridge between the spiritual and the secular. Mm, that's uh, I, amongst, I love yeah, that. That's a brief. Yeah.
0: I love that. I I've been in a very contemplated, uh, space today. Myself today, this day 30 years ago is when I gave my first minister talk at 6 p.m. on the East coast of Florida. I gave my first talk. Um, wow. and so 30 years I've been a spiritual leader, of uh, one way or another. And, um, you know, I, I, I gave that talk and I'm, I'm still giving it and still uh, longing to grow into it and understand it.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. 30 days this week? 30 years this 30 week? 30 years. Wow.
0: 30 years, yes. And I'm, I'm so young, so I don't know how that's possible. But uh, yeah, it's like you... You're, I love what you said and I, I think that's so poignant to people listening is that you know when you hear the music. You just know, and that's the space is oh. when you hear that, you know, calling oh, you, that, it, that that it has so I want name to congratulate
1: in. you. 30 years is a milestone. It should be many, many more healthy years,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Thank there's you. nothing more gratifying. Well, not to pull rank. I've been doing this now for 40 years. <laughs> not exactly. Not in the 40th year, but uh, a little more than 40 years, so I'm a little older than you probably. <laughs> And I don't know about not.
0: that. I'm, I'm 62, so uh, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna
1: compare. I'm 64. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, we're kids. Hey, we're just hey, but getting who's started. Who's I'm going counted? for 150, so I'm not even uh, I'm not even halfway there yet. I'm going for it a might- larger number. I figure why not aim higher? You know, we've got to we've got to stretch our capacity and. You know, look for something because our bodies are designed to live a lot longer than they do. So,
1: in my book toward a meaningful life, I write the soul never ages; it only gets younger. So, Mm. yeah. And
0: I uh, I love that, Uh, Rabbi Simon. When when did your and everyone that's tuning in, you can go to meaningfullife.com. Meaningfullife.com. I told him earlier before we got on the show, that's like the best URL ever. Um, but when did you, um, I know that you've written a lot and you've been featured, oh my, on CBS, CNN, PBS, MSNBC, Fox, NPR. I mean, you know, you have been um, sharing uh, your wisdom, your insights, your ponderings um, for, as you're saying, almost close to 40 years now. Um what is What really speaks to you about this book? I know it's already a bestseller. It's in many languages. Um, what caused well, your heart to be in this space of toward a meaningful life?
1: Good question. So I think maybe some background would help. Um, when I, going back to my uh, teenage years, when I did hear the music and I began to really... I felt like I was a rebel without a cause, but then I found my cause, which was I saw the great need for spiritual healing in this world, and so many of the ills and the things that trouble us, whether it's anxiety and fear or or the insecurities of our material lives can be addressed and even healed through spiritual approach. So I got myself very involved in a process which is very rare, and I'd love to share it with you and your audience. Because of Jewish law, on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath, and on the holidays, we don't write notes, and no recordings are made. So my master, my teacher, who was called Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, who was called the Rebbe, lovingly, like the mentor, the teacher. So when he would speak, there were no notes. So I was one of the few that was able to actually remember verbatim, sometimes five, six hours of these talks. So we're talking about 100, 150 pages. And it taught me to learn to listen and absorb a truth that's greater than myself, which, as we all know, is one of the secrets to all growth. Get your ego out of the way and allow yourself to be a channel and absorb something beyond yourself. And it literally transformed my life. And uh, after he had passed away in 1994, I did. Lot, I was working in, in publishing all these teachings, but they were dense and more academic, That's when I felt the need to write Toward a Meaningful Life, which I did in 1995, an original edition. And it really was a way of trying to communicate in simple English without getting into any density or prohibitive language. Uh, The deep mystical and psychological truths that so became part of my life. I actually asked people, literally in the street, I said men, women of different faiths, of no faith of different ages, like what are the 30 most important topics in your life? And everybody, interestingly, we all have the same issues. Um, it's just the different stages in life. And that is, begins with birth and childhood and education, love, marriage, uh, intimacy, depression, uh, wealth, health. You know, the list goes on. So I wrote a chapter on all of these 30 items. I broke the book down into three sections, personal, social, and uh, theological, the personal being personal issues, and the social is like things like uh, science and technology, or responsibility, or government, and then the theological, good and evil, unity, God, and um, and I wrote it from my heart. You know, I have a, an expression that I love: is words from the heart enter the heart. And it was a labor of love, and thank God it was really successful in the sense a major publisher picked it up, William Morrow, and uh, and the rest is history. I mean, ever since I've been. I mean, I was, I don't know how you describe it. I, I had i had success preceded infrastructure. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I had a book out there, but I didn't have an infrastructure to communicate with people. So I slowly, that's where I built the Meaningful Life Center, and hence MeaningfulLife.com, as an outgrowth of that book's impact. I traveled across the country and across the world, spoke in many, many places, God bless me with the power of communicating and writing through words, through the written word and the spoken word. And I try to really, as I said before, I try to speak from my heart and soul, without, never. I cannot stand judgmental or condescending or preaching. And I go by the line that I don't know who coined it, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my uh, that's my life. That's one of
0: my that's one of my most favorite uh thoughts or statements or when I've ever been in healthcare or someplace training you know people like that's such a profound line, and it it never ages. it just deepens you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that that's so true and that to me that sets apart an entirely different orator. speaker, you know, when you're in the midst of them, if it's inclusive, you just feel it and your heart seems to be so much more receptive and open, you know, and that's, I think one of the things in researching you and, and looking at, you know, your work and everything is, I love that you are so inclusive, uh, there's no divide, you know, um, in your languaging and how you share and. It's so approachable for people of all walks of life and all ages. And I mean, I'm sure you already know this, but I was just admiring that. And uh, you know, researching you and knowing more about you. I also love that your, the Meaningful Life Center is referred to as the spiritual Starbucks. Huh. That's pretty cool. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was based on something. New York Times had uh, uh, writer once interviewed me, and I was saying I was trying to bridge. I said we're trying to bridge here the the best of the senses and the best of the spiritual. And I said the senses, you know, like having a nice coffee at the same time stimulating, which is stimulating to your uh, to your senses and your sensory. Uh, but also to your soul, so that's where that came from. But I agree, thank you so much, because that is exactly the bottom line. You know, that's why I, we, you and I have not met physically, but the fact that we can sit here and uh, cross-pollinate, if you wish, or interact mm-hmm. and synergize, that's what the story is. We're all souls on a journey, and our souls are all part of one larger, uh, beautiful mosaic, And uh, and a lot of it is mysterious, which is part of the beauty. And I, to me, it's like I can't. It's so gratifying when I meet someone I have never seen before, and then we find something in common. And we all have things in common. And that, to me, that's the best way to uh, counter so much of the negativity out there, the negative energy, and uh, and divisiveness is by really understanding. You know, I always say that spirituality unites and materialism divides. So it's our souls that connect us, despite our diversity. We are all part of a larger a larger uh, reality.
0: And it's so beautiful, you know, just to, when you, um, you know, approach another human being as we are today on, on open lines, uh, not only are we in a space of no agenda, no script, but just the heart. We're kind of, we're writing it as we go along. One would say, um, we, we also have a part, I feel, um, spiritually that's called to say certain things or experience certain things that's going to touch the listener's soul and ears and and i just i love that i and that's the reason i enjoy this show so much is it's just about sh- hearing someone's heart the passion you know what what's interesting what it what what drives him or her to you know, keep living their vision and their mission and how to deepen that, and it, it it's really wonderful. Well, I'm going to be outside of Brooklyn around Christmas. I'm speaking at Carnegie Hall, so if you're oh. in town, perhaps we can find one another. I would like that.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. Carnegie Hall. Wow.
0: Yeah, That's Christmas great. Eve. I do the Christmas Eve message there. Yes.
1: Okay, so that should be good, and then, you know, we're living in what happened last year? Did you do it last year? I guess everything we was did closed.
0: not since they weren't open, but I did the year before. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, uh, okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. I did the I did the year before and it was such a beautiful experience. We invited um, a number of homeless people to to come and participate and gifted them with tickets and what I loved about it the most is you couldn't tell one person from another. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're all part of that. Like you're saying, that that glorified uh, human space and that that deeper connection. Um, I imagine that that your book has uh, really accelerated during this period that we've just we're somewhat coming out of now. I know you were uh, you hit so hard with the pandemic in in New York and. The sense I get about you is that you're a real um, grounded um, tree, if you will, of just as a metaphorical kind of thing of people really look to you, especially in chaotic times or hard to understand times. I have a sense that you remain with faith through any of it. Am I, am I correct? Am I reading that correctly?
1: Well, yes, absolutely. It's the only thing we have to rely on that doesn't waver. Uh, in the storms, you know, you need to have Mm -hmm. that grounding, those roots that, uh, you mentioned the analogy of a tree is a good one because it has the deep roots and uh, we know that without that there's an expression uh, in the the Kabbalistic and the mystical teachings that when you're tied above you don't fall below. Look in the uncertain times that we've all gone through, uh, times of disruption of people, people's security blankets and comfort zones have been shaken up um, uh, it you need to dig deeper and find those uh, values and the spirit that really keeps you uh, afloat. And without that, it becomes accre- increasingly difficult, as I've seen it. For, for many people have brought out the best of them, and for others, unfortunately, the other way around. So yes, uh, absolutely, in this period, the last year and a half, I cannot tell you, I've been like an overdrive because, firstly, people's needs are very openly acknowledged, people's sense of vulnerability. You know, they can't go to theater, and You can't. your travel plans are disrupted, and school and work. I mean, there's no sector of life, uh, Temple, that has not been affected. So then, uh, people are very uh, open to, uh, they're looking for direction and guidance, and above all, courage and strength. That's what uncertainty does, so... I felt, and to be very honest, I felt like almost I was trained for this moment. It's like when you're trained mm-hmm. in the military, then comes the day where you have to go to battle. So this was a spiritual battle for souls and being able to find a deeper fortitude and, uh, and uh, direction and guidance. So yes, I was, uh, and still, it's, it's 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 dramatically affected my work in the, the good way. I, I would have hoped to, you know, we all hope it should come in, in pleasant times, but sometimes it's what happens when there's crisis and unknowns that um, that, uh, causes people. That's a wake-up call, and that's what I experienced, and I'm sure you did as well in your work. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just remember that first week when it was evident that things were closing and this wasn't going away in a couple of weeks, like some of us had originally hoped for or thought. You know, it's like we owe it to ourselves to really be the best we've ever been um you know that our soul chose to be here during this time and we owe it to ourselves to be leaders about what we believe and this is not a time to go weary this is a time to be uh, more articulate and brave and and more invested in what we believe it's it's easy i find you know to um to feel and state what i believe and my own inner theology, if you will, uh, when everything's just kind of flowing along. <laughs> it's another thing to have a moral responsibility to stand tall in the midst of things that we don't we don't understand. I what I think supported me so much is that I'm always using that idea of being a mystic, you know, of being a mystic of living in the mystery and not knowing and. And now I affirm, you know, everybody is.
1: <laughs> yeah, that—that's the illusion. People, I mean, right. especially in our prosperous and successful times, people can have the illusion of invulnerability—that we're supermen—and then suddenly you wake up and realize, one second here, a little microbe, invisible to the naked eye, has disrupted the entire world. Um, so, uh, if you're wise, it teaches you, you know, what really matters, and don't, uh, don't, uh, don't. Uh, be arrogant in feeling that success lies only on the surface level. hmm
0: Yeah, and I, I've, I, have, a, you know, a feeling like Jane Goodall does that. You know, it's, it's a, part of this is, is the necessity for us to get back to nature. You know, to get back to all the gifts that our Creator has given us, and to be more connected in that, in that way. Um, and I'm, of course, extremely curious with you being our featured guest today to dig deeper in some of your thoughts and values and how the book Toward a Meaningful Life can can be good uh, medicine, you know, for people because we're just barely coming out of this. And uh, some cities slower than others, but, you know, it's... Um, It's still something that's important for us to communicate about and and talk about and and learn together, that's that's for sure.
1: Well, look, um, the fact is that just as the human body needs nutrients, we need to eat and drink and sleep and exercise and fresh air and many other vitamins and minerals that keep us healthy, we also have a soul. And the soul also needs nutrients. Except the soul speaks a different language, and it's easy to ignore it when things are going well, when you're feeling physically well. If you're successful at your work, and everything else seems to be going, working, you just ignore, usually, the soul. That's the unsad reality. And But it, uh, the soul can't uh, be ignored forever, so it calls out to us, whether it's through anxiety or through uh, an emptiness or through other factors where we looking for love or other ways that feed that soul and when you have a disruption like we've, we're we experiencing now and, and upheaval it uh, really forces us to recognize hey you know what my food and my drink and my sleep are not enough I need to uh, find a deeper uh, sense of fortitude and inner self I need to feed that so those who have a regimen of spiritual um, vitamins, for lack of a better word, and are exercising their spiritual muscles, then they have that strength. But when you don't have it, or you have a minimal of it, that's when you have to really scramble and discover that inner self. Because at the end of the day, we are not just physical beings that are here to survive. Now, I have an analogy in Torah meaning Meaningful Life. I use an analogy based on the book of Proverbs that the soul is compared to a flame, and the body to a wick. And the material body, physical life we live, is pretty much stationary. I mean, of course, it's animated and has energy. But the real restlessness within us, I'm talking about healthy restlessness, comes from our souls, like a flame that's always flickering, seeking to defy gravity, looking upward. That's what the soul is, the one, the part of us that is not satisfied with animal bliss, and we're just surviving and existing it's that need for transcendence and that need can can be filled through travel through music through art through uh... sexuality through romance and or through religion and faith and spiritual uh... experiences but it needs to be fed and the human being must have transcendence or else we will not be happy people so essentially Using the, the the name, the title of my book, Toward a Meaningful Life. A meaningful life means not just a life, a social life, or a, even a family life or a material life. It means that you also have higher purpose. Um, uh, another way of putting it is, just like a business cannot function without a mission statement, a human being can't function without a personal calling. What is your mission? What is your calling? I ask people often, who are you? And they give me their business card. I said, but that's not who you are. That's what you do.
0: <laughs> right, and, right. And, and,
1: yeah, and then people sometimes respond in silence. Or others will say, "I," they'll sigh and they say, what can I do? I've been doing this for so long. Who I am has become a product of what, of, of what I do, which, of course, is so sad. Your identity, your inner identity, who you are should dictate what you do. Not what you do dictates who you are. It's like the ship telling the captain where it should go. And that's essentially the battle between, what we'll call, between matter and spirit, between materialism and spirituality, that very often we just ignore. But then at times like this, it's a wake-up call. Do it's something a wake-up
0: call. It. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We're going to be right back after this short break, and we're, we're talking to Rabbi Simon Jacobson, and you can go to his website, MeaningfulLife.com. We'll be right back.
1: Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional
0: Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being with us. I'm I'm enjoying the value of a meaningful life today. Myself, as I I sit in the energy of Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Uh, you can go to his website. It's meaningfullife.com. He also has the Meaningful Life Center. So a true dedicated uh, individual of of what matters, and um, you know, so pertinent to the times that we are living in now. You can go to my website, templehays.com, or go to our community's website, firstunity.org, and find out the various and other things that 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 we are doing and that what we are about. Um, I've been loving, um, Rabbi Simon, your, your blogs and um, your writings. They're so rich um, with so much information. And um, I love the one, you know, what makes a true leader? I think that's an important conversation and question right now. Whether you are a leader as a parent, or leader as a teacher, or leader as a rabbi, or leader as a spiritual leader, or leader of a radio show like Jeff is, you know, I mean, I think that um, that's a, a deeper question that we're always asking. You know, what is a what is a true leader, and how do we really exemplify, exemplify hope and faith and connection. And I've always loved that statement. I believe it was Toni Morrison that said it to Oprah, that she was always aware when she was around kids, she wanted them to see hope and possibility on her face and in her eyes. And I've never forgotten that.
1: Beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, look, we are definitely living in a time of leadership crisis. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, especially with the media and, and technology, which of course is neutral, but it could amplify what they used to say, junk in, junk out, about mm-hmm. technology, it's neutral. But when you have a, a climate that is so polarized and so entertainment-based, uh, commercial-based, unfortunately, uh, people are pandering, and leadership today is really uh, about power. What do they say? The love for power, not the power of love. And power and control and influence. And people have become very cynical and skeptical, especially in the last few years. With true leadership, which was always spiritual leadership, when you look at the quintessential leader of the Bible, Moses. So how is he described? The humblest man that ever walked on earth. Interesting. Would anyone use that description for a leader today? The humblest man or woman <laughs> exactly. <working> on earth. <laughs> the description would be the leader is usually the guy, with the most, the guy that is most strategic, well connected, wealthy, maneuvering. Maybe the most corrupt, the one that loves uh, power more than anyone else. That sense of humility that you're here to serve others, and you're not here to serve yourself. The idea that you're here to help people become. Better human beings, which is the true nature of a leader, in other words, the selflessness of the leader, not the self of the leader, is really sorely lacking. And I think you could see it even in the last, uh, in our last pandemic crisis that's still going on. You know, at best, as one person told it to me, at best you have good administrators, firefighters, but the vision, direction, hope, even, I mean, it's not something you really hear. It's a lot of infighting, a lot of politics. As again, the media amplifies it. You know, I, I I know people in the media. I say to them, I say, why don't you have on your program someone that's giving hope to people? And it doesn't have to be religious or spiritual, anything. Instead of mm-hmm. like, you know, it's all so much about the nitpicking and the and the infighting about the vaccine. Yes, no. People's spirits are not being fed, and it's a lack. So. The vacuum is very deep, and I think that's what makes uh, our work so much more important. And I'm not saying it in any, you know, I'm saying it in a humble way. Exactly that, we're here to help and serve. And um, as you, you you bring up children, to me children are the are the perfect human being. You know they say in technology, a iPhone or an Android uh, nine is better than Android nine or an iPhone eight. But I think with human beings, 1.0 is better than 1.1. <laughs> <1. laughs> right, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> it, the,
1: child is, the child is the freshly fallen snow straight from the hands of God that has not been in any way polluted or tainted or corrupted by this world. And if we, you know, I look at children all the time. I'm, I have my own children, I have grandchildren. I look at them, I look at them as like this is the better version of me. They don't have duplicity. They're seamless. They they don't know, learn how to lie until they hear that from adults. There's something so beautiful and tender and, yes, vulnerable, and they need to be protected because we live in a very hostile and dark world, but children are like our greatest gift. And I always feel that how we treat our children and how we look at them is really the barometer of a society. It's not our standard of living and how much money we make and the GDP and the, the and health insurance and life expectancy, but it's how we treat our children. Uh, the prophet says that the hearts of the parents will return through their children. So to, you bring up child, that's why it's there's no question to me. Children are the purest reminders of what spirit is about. Look at how children explore. They're not self-conscious. Again, until adults... Uh, impact them and we can learn more from our children I believe than uh, they can learn from us frankly
0: I I totally I totally sit with that I've always said that in our society it's almost like we have it backwards you know children are born with the new spiritual medicine that we need they're born with new ways of viewing and seeing and feeling and they're not editing where they're coming from or how they're speaking and we're often so quick to just giving them the data that we already know and when we train children with the data we already know we're living in what we already have versus if we would draw more from them then we are more evolving we are more in an evolutionary uh place but and they offer so many blessings i i my little five-year-old goddaughter, oh my gosh, I just, I'm always fascinated, like, what's she going to come up with today, you know, and she'll look at me and go, "Well, you know, your spirit animal is blah, 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 and I'm going, how does she know that, you know, where does she get that, it's just, right. it's such a blessing, it's such a blessing when we seek to not make them like us, but we allow them to make us better because of who they are. There's a big distinction
1: there, for sure. Well, you use the word data. I would also add our prejudices and our biases and our uh, mm-hmm. descript- <laughs> That oh, also yeah. becomes something. Children are, one analogy that I really like, is children are like, like um, besides freshly fallen snow, like warm wax. Everything mm. they see and hear and experience is going to be etched into their psyches. And as their personalities harden into adults, it will remain there forever. I mean, you can always dislodge it, but it's not. But it's more. It's more difficult. I think it was Frederick Douglass that said, that "It's infinitely easier to bring up a healthy child than to fix a broken adult." The problem mm-hmm. is that the broken adults are in control of those children. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it, <laughs> I didn't mean to come out. It came across, I think, harsher than I wanted. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh-uh, I didn't think it was harsh. I think we need. I think we need you to be more harsh. <laughs> oh, okay. But we, uh, it's, it's important, you know. I, I've always loved the quote. Um, United actually, it, it happens to be mine, but it's United we stand, divided, we are merely a distraction. And I, I yeah. love that. You know, you are communicating with the news, and I, I would love an advancement. Of not just constantly feeding a divide I mean that's so evident with every it's almost like with every story it's like does it feed the divide oh yes well then let's use it I mean that it's a consistent thing in the psyches of humanity this division absolutely stuff. I can
1: tell you yeah listen I can tell you from my own experience just these last few months uh, the producer of one of a major a major media outlets who said to me, I'd love to have you as a guest, but I need you to fight with the other guests. Not physically yeah. fight, but like really I said, It's not my style. I want to be civil. I can disagree, but I'm not gonna fight. It's not you know he says, We need gladiators. That was his yeah, word. We need gosh. gladiators. Because people want blood. He was very blunt. I said What well, I mean, don't you think that people would also appreciate <laughs> A civil disagreement instead of blood? Well, it's a sad reality. But the good news is that there are many of us, and I believe on a grassroots level, really, um, I see from my work that they resonate with a deeper message. And the bottom line is, I mean, I always quote uh, Oliver Wendell Holmes' classic, very sad, tragic poem called The Voiceless, where he begins, Mm -hmm. Alas, to those that die with their song still inside them. Alas, imagine th- 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 those that die with their song. We all have a unique song within us. And it's the greatest tragedy if you cannot sing it or you don't have the courage to sing it. I remember uh, my, my son, when he was a little child, he came home from school. He was very excited. <clears throat> and I said, what, what? Why are you so excited? So he said, I heard something really nice today. And I said, what is it? He said, you were born an original. Don't become a copy. Okay. <laughs> now... Now it's years later. He has his own children. So recently, I said to him, uh, "So what happened with you? Did you become an original or a copy?" So he he, was, he no pun intended—Temple, but his—he happens to be a copywriter.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> so he's how, good.
1: He's good how with words. He's a wordsmith. Is that? <laughs> yeah. So he. So I said, "So what happened with you?" So he says, "I'm an original copy." Okay, whatever that means. The beauty that that each of you, each of us, carries within us, that beautiful original song that you have, that's yours, has so often, it's uh, essentially completely overwhelmed and suffocated from us by the pressures of parents and educators and society. And we don't sing our song, we're singing someone else's song. And even that we're not doing well. So it's so vital to be able to find yourself and find that voice And I feel, I mean, there's nothing more gratifying when you help people get to that place. Michelangelo said that when they asked him, how do you sculpt those beautiful angels in the marble? He said, I see the angels trapped in the marble and I carved and carved and set them free. I find that to be, that's so beautiful. That means you have the you don't need to go shop for it. You don't need to go find it. It's all within you, the beauty that you have, the uniqueness, the divine spirit within you, the divine image whatever word you want to use. and But it's sometimes trapped in marble or concrete or other substances. And I think it's our role is to help carve. We're not here to create anything. We just help carve away the excess and the distractions to allow the soul to emerge. That's the message. I wish that was on every media channel everywhere. People would hear that. It change the world. But unfortunately, we're countering, as you said, those that are feeding the divide, which goes the other direction.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In in communicating with uh, people in, in these current times, what do you feel are two or three of their deepest concerns? And with what you're doing with the Meaningful Life Center and with your book, um, what do you feel gives them some kind of hope or awareness of where they can be? and how they can overcome such things.
1: Yeah, I think if I were to spell out a few of them, I think uncertainty is a very big one today. The pandemic has uh, exposed the, the uncertainty of our times and our future. People realizing we know very little. We all thought we had control and we realized we're not in control. So I think there's almost a psychological Weakness, a uh, collective one that has settled in that people maybe don't speak about so much, but I, th- I feel a sense of tentativeness that will probably remain uh, for a while. It doesn't go away quickly. So how do you counter uncertainty is by looking at the things that you're certain about. I always, when I speak or I teach, I always ask people, I say, tell me three things you're absolutely certain about that you will fight for, that you really believe in. And I remember one woman raising her hand once and said, you know what, that's a great question. I haven't thought about that since I was a child. You know, we don't think about it because when your things are going well, okay, I'm going to a restaurant tonight. I have a party to go to, going to a baseball game. And the things that we're certain about, is it it the love in your life? Is it your marriage and your family? Is it your values? You know, and you suddenly realize that almost everything that is materialistic you're not certain about. It doesn't provide true security. I mean, it comes and goes. Um, and uh, so what I try to do and my team at Meaningful Life Center is try to help people crystallize the things they're certain about, those values, and do something about it. I always like to say immerse your soul in a spiritual SPA. SPA as an acronym of study, prayer, and action. You know, Cognitive and emotional and behavioral conditioning. Every day, study something spiritual, pray in your own way, it could be a poem, something that touches your heart, and act, do a good act, kindness, uh, find something new to do. Go take a walk with a, a child that may need uh, special attention. Um, go reach out to the needy, reach out to a stranger, reach out even to your family that you may have been estranged from. So when you do that, your soul begins to come alive and you are focusing the things that are certain, and that uncertainty that surrounds us becomes less of a factor in our lives. Uh, you know, we spoke about you have to have those anchors. Without the anchors, a ship at sea will be lost, and this will continue to demoralize and debilitate us. So that uncertainty is a big one in my mind of what's going on today. I think also how to deal with disruption. People see disruption as very disturbing. You know, I'd rather just, I I want my, I want, but they say, when are we getting back to normal? And I think it's important because almost all disciplines, maybe all spiritual disciplines, teach that disruption is really a, a transition to a new birthing. Every birth will be followed by disruption. The egg will crack before the chick emerges. A mother will go through birth pains before she gives birth to a child. Creativity will always be preceded by frustration. So understanding that disruption is not the end of the story, and you have to look at the bird's eye view, the bigger picture, that you're on a journey, and your nar- narrative is not over in 2021 or 2020, but that it's going somewhere, and that you are part of a new growth. Open yourself up to new opportunities, broaden your horizons, instead of being stuck in, your old, in the old in the old patterns and paradigms, basically opening yourself up to a paradigm shift. So that's another thing I focus a lot on in my teaching and writings and blogs and podcasts, whatever you call them all, is to to help people understand that a transition is, I'm sorry, that a disruption is really a transition. The caterpillar is metamorphosized into a butterfly. And when you see it that way, it, first of all, it relieves the, the pressure of feeling, oh, it's all over. And secondly, it really gives you hope toward a better tomorrow. Those are a few things that come to mind. Obviously, uh, different people are dealing with different issues. But I see this as a tremendous opportunity now for people to revisit their values. What do you stand for? What do you really believe in? What do you really want? What mark do you really want to leave in this universe? Uh, that's,
0: it's really powerful. It. It's almost like there's um, kind of across the culture that people are a little bit anesthetized from this experience. There's like a a level of fog or, you know, it's just an awareness. I, I don't know that I've really spoken it out loud, but it just feels like um, what you're saying and the tools and the practices that you're giving are so powerful, like do something entirely different than what you're used to doing may play a part in that kind of awakening, you know, um, to, to not to, like you say, to get back to normal. I always laugh and say, that's the cycle on the washing machine. That was Jerry Fein- huh. Seinfeld's statement, you know, that's good. Yeah, um, that's good. because there's no going back is only moving forward with what we have. But, um, It's it's like, you know, just reminding people you'll get what you bring. So if you want to see more life, you know, bring more life and bring more hope and joy to your children and do things different. Uh, It's exciting when you have an opportunity to choose different. And like you were saying earlier, you know, a lot of things that we tie up in our calendar are are more doing distractions than they are, you know, often anything else.
1: Exactly. And, you know, today people have also realized that a lot of things we thought are necessary are really optional. And when you come to realize that, it also frees you somewhat. I mean, we really thought we could not live without certain things, and now we realize you could. And that opens up. The fact is also that we live in a society, because of technology, so many of us live, so many people live vicariously through others. You know, the soap opera characters, the, the sports uh, heroes, uh, Hollywood figures, um, and cellulite uh, characters, as they say, cellulite heroes. And and we, <laughs> uh, like if someone say, well, well, what are you into? I'm into sports. Okay, what sports do you play? Well, I watch baseball and football and basketball. So you're watching and you think that you're into sports. Um, what do they say? They say uh, in a baseball stadium you have uh, 60,000 people who need to lose weight are watching 18 people who don't need to. You know, so the point is, because of living vicariously, it's like almost takes away the responsibility of your own living your own life. And uh, there's a lot of challenges. What should I say? <laughs> but on the other hand, there are great gifts. Look, I'm not I'm not the fire and brimstone against technology. I use it all the time because it has the ability to really bring a message to so many people. But you cannot. You need to know who's in control. If your smartphone is controlling you, it's an addiction, period. And many of us are suffering from many addictions today. Some people call them attachment disorder. You know, you're looking for attachment, love. You can't find it in healthy places, so we get attached to unhealthy things. And uh, but the but I I am a very optimistic and positive person. I feel human beings have what it takes just have to help as I said before carve away the distractions and allow the that inner beauty to emerge
0: yeah I I do too I I feel that on the other side of all these things will be um, new ways of looking at life and values and what seems to be so important and and you've heard those stories, and I certainly have. Where in the midst of this, you know, timeout that originally we thought would be a few months, then became a year, that people have, you know, gone deep and really, you know, searched their purpose, and you know, decided to relocate across the country or to another country, or to um, not work in an office building anymore, but to work out of their home, or you know, whatever it is. It's been. We don't hear anything about that because it doesn't sell, you know, pharmaceuticals and it doesn't sell addiction. Um, but there's a lot of those amazing stories that are out there that um, that people are really tuning into. And it's Absolutely. it's wonderful to hear about those.
1: Look, you hear the, the acts of nobility and beauty and love. Uh, people who i have heard from couples, they said, you know, we haven't had a dinner together. For years, <laughs> now we're sitting. We were first terrified. We didn't know whether we can sit with each other. And people discover deeper dimensions. This is no question. This is a tremendous opportunity. I mean, we all wish the virus and the pandemic just disappears. But I would love to believe that we have learned from it and we become greater people. Unfortunately, we also see a rise of, of some of the, the lower elements, racism and discrimination and anti-Semitism and other stuff like that. Um, so we have to counter that, little light dispels darkness, more love, more unconditional kindness, and more uh, programs like yours <laughs> that spread <laughs> light and then spirit and beauty and and uh, without being naive, you know, we know realities on the ground are not always so pleasant, but we are people of spirit and we have the ability to be agents of light and ambassadors of kindness and love in this world. That's what we need to embrace. And today, in modern science, we know the butterfly effect, the ripple effect of one small act, one good word, one kind word, one good thought, can literally transform your world and the entire world. That's what we absolutely believe in. And we and I have no doubt that if we rise to the occasion, we will bring global and personal transformation, a, par- a paradigm shift.
0: That's beautiful. I'm, I'm so grateful all of you have tuned in with us today. And you can go to meaningfullife.com. And um, Rabbi Simon, you have a program tonight, don't you? At 8.30 uh, Eastern Standard, anti Semitism yes. yeah. on the yeah, rise. It's about. Is history repeating itself? That sounds very powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I give, I give, <laughs> I do almost 15 programs a week nowadays that are oh all boy. online um, because of uh, the condition. And if you go to meaningfulive. dot com, there's a whole robust menu of different options, different subjects. And I try to address the most relevant issues of our time with uh, with a deeper look at it and how to uh, turn it into something that we can that makes us better people and greater people. So, yeah, that's so. check it all out, com. You can subscribe there, many different uh, emails, and uh, you name it, YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook. I'm on all the platforms, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I saw that a while ago that you uh, followed me on Instagram, so I have to follow you back so I can see what you're doing. I'm kind of a newbie on Instagram. I was on, on Facebook uh, and Twitter, uh, and we keep uh, going to this one and that one, and then we have this one, and it's like, what? <laughs> temple,
1: temple let, let me admit something to you I'm a novice with all of it I have people that do it
0: <laughs> exactly I offer the content <laughs> but they do the work yeah that makes a difference doesn't it well it's just been a pleasure in my heart to be with you today and that you do it and blessings to
1: you my blessings to you God bless you and your great work and all the work of and all the people that you reach. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening
1: world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast.